0: I am Hayden Hilliard-Smith, and I am a professional web video editor. I have been the editor for popular creator Logan Paul, and we have spent all that time studying and theorizing what it is to create a perfect web video. I didn't want to do traditional media. Why did Logan not look at analytics and still kill it every single day? Blake and I have continued to talk about this on the podcast
1: why you should have an editor, the investment that you have to make to put into an editor. And I think so many creators continue to tell me on a daily basis that they're the only ones that can edit their videos. And so Blake and I wanted to bring on a guest, Hayden Hillier-Smith. If you haven't seen his channel, you are missing out. Blake, I'm so glad we finally have an editor coming on the show because this has been so highly requested. And I think Hayden is at the top of his game right now. Yeah,
2: Hayden, Hayden. Is, for people that don't know Hayden is the editor for Logan Paul uh, and has been with Logan for many many years now and I think there's very few people that understand what goes into editing and just the YouTube algorithm, what makes a good video on YouTube better than Hayden? I think this conversation is one of the most interesting conversations we've had around just the inside baseball of what goes into a YouTube video. I totally
1: platform. agree. And it's something a lot of creators have been asking for is like, can you bring on an editor? Can you talk about editing? So I think this is the next Episode that you and I have been trying to get done for a while and so I hope everyone enjoys
2: how did you even end up in this world? How did you end up you know even meeting Logan like what does that story look like?
1: Yeah in 2017 Logan was like another Mm. level of YouTube that we had never seen before it was like daily Mm. vlogs 250 million views a month on was crazy.
0: I've been on YouTube for pretty much like the second year it existed And, and so I'd always been a YouTuber but always been so behind the scenes, but I always wanted to be a creator in a sense of like being the front man being the personality being the one in front of the camera but i was still developing my personality i wasn't quite confident in myself so I, I started to go behind the camera and actually ended up having a lot more fun there and then there came a time when i was like you know what i want to be the biggest youtuber ever and then logan also went i want to be the biggest youtuber ever and then we somehow got connected and, lo- and both me and us went should we be the biggest youtubers ever and then we started ended up working together because of that because i think just literally that the first conversation me and Logan ever had was like it's like as if the stars had aligned is what he said. Uh, my sense of humor was very similar to his sense of humor. But then the true magic of it was we both come from very different uh, perspectives in life. You know, he's a Ohio boy. He does sports. Whereas with me, if if I kick a football, I'll end up in the hospital because I've fallen on my back. We come from very different perspectives. But because of that, I filled in a lot of what was missing Logan and Logan filled in what was missing in me and it became this perfect mix of being able to create that killer content that we were both so passionate about. I think in that daily vlogging uh, era was was just I think just the most fun experience I've had and most exhausting as well but I think the most fun experience where it's like it's I don't have to go to work I get to go to work and I woke up at 8 a.m every day and say every year going what fun adventure am I going to have today
1: how did you deal with the stress of having to edit every single day for, I don't even know how 400 plus days it was yeah. like on autopilot. You guys were uploading every single day. So I'm guessing how it works was he would send you footage at the end of his film day. You mm-hmm. would have to funnel through it and then edit a video. If you were still in London, like what throughout the night Yeah, and then send it to him in the morning.
0: Yeah. It was what it was in a uh, cute film his day in Los Angeles and around, he would finish it around eight, 9 PM and start uploading it onto Google drive and then my computer will start automatically downloading it and what that then meant is at 8 a.m i wake up and it's just footage on my computer just ready to go and he's gone to bed so he then wakes up 8 9 a.m on los angeles time and i go here's your video off you go and so there was just a constant flow that like his content never stopped because there was never a time where we all had to stop the video started being like i could edit them in three four hours and then they started going to six hours and seven hours because started going more and more and then they had to become an eight to ten hours but because it gradually built up that momentum, we got into a, such a great flow with it that it's just we blinked and the video was done. He would go on his day, I blink, video's done, off we go. We move on, we move on, and we move on. And I think that's also where it got dangerous as well. But it's just we scaled up in such a in such a I think easy way
2: that suddenly it just became on autopilot. It's like that's that was the world that we knew how much direction was logan giving you at that time was it just like here it is i trust you like you do what you want with all this raw footage and like also how often were you looking at analytics and like were you thinking about thumbnails and you know performance of these videos at the time or was it much more like hey i'm trusting hayden hayden go do your thing and like let's just see what happens
0: well we were still developing our skills and this is in 2017 when i actually looking at analytics wasn't as encouraged at that time. It got to a point where I think Logan absolutely trusted me. It's, he gave me a petition and just said, go. But honestly, throughout the whole process, we didn't look at analytics a single time. All we did was make content and all we did is ask the question, how can we make this as fun as possible? And how can we make this as entertaining as possible? And we used experience on our own mistakes as our own analytics, I would say, rather than letting uh, the data tell us where we went wrong. We personally reflected on when we went wrong and chose to improve on it that way. The
1: first time Jimmy did Logan's podcast, I can't remember if it was 2019, 2018, don't remember. Mm. Jimmy and I sat down with Logan after the podcast and Jimmy was like, show me your analytics. And Logan goes, what do you mean? And he was (laughs) like, wait, you don't look at your YouTube analytics? And he's like, bro, I haven't looked at my YouTube analytics ever. Was it just something you guys just didn't even care, didn't pay attention? It was just like all about streamline process, edit
0: videos, post videos, do it again the next day. I thought about this a lot and it's like, what, why did Logan not look at analytics and still kill it every single day? And I think it literally convicts comes down to him and himself as such an attractive personality. That it trumps the need to support yourself with every, all of the other strategies he and himself trumps the need for a thumbnail he himself trumps the need to have a great title he himself trumps the need to have these right like, retention strategies he himself embodies all of that in just his charisma and I think that's why people keep coming back to him, and people are like very much uh, dedicated towards him, which is wow. probably going to piss <laughs> off a lot of people. Me saying yeah. that, but <laughs> so I think that, that's li- literally
2: that my theory is of why Logan has compliment, uh, been successful in that way. In as the channel has evolved, or as the videos have evolved, has that been because of like you actually looking at analytics and paying attention to maybe what other videos or other channels have done well or was that again much more of like just gut that it's like this is just evolution of the channel
0: well looking at analytics to a degree is an internal reflection you're looking at yourself and where you went wrong and you're giving yourself the data to tell yourself where you went wrong uh or where you made your mistakes i would say with logan and me we learned that the best way to improve is to look at yourself emotionally when and internally and so we go hey we emotionally felt this wasn't entertaining here where did we go wrong how could we have told this better and i think it's because we chose to look physically internally rather than numerically internally it's probably meant the big difference as to why logan's content is still quite different to a lot of creators today we treat data as analytical data as fact when actually it's subjective you could, so you might see a ten percent dip and go, wait, what went wrong here? Oh, it's because my exposition was too slow, or actually, maybe ten percent dropped off because maybe your your music was too loud or your microphone quality dipped in quality, so people clicked off. I would say it's often very subjective on how you interpret that data, and I think we become too obsessed with how we choose to interpret that data and probably make mistakes on how we choose to interpret that data. It's it takes us down directions that I don't think could be the right lessons for you to have or need at that time. You could look at retention data and see where you went wrong here, or you could probably even use that time to study the hero's journey, or you could use that time to study uh, the story circle, or you can use that time to even maybe even understand yourself internally and emotionally, and figure out how can I get how I feel across on the camera as well. And I think too much time is spent into analytics in a way that I would say it's a third of the process rather than the overall process. Analytics tells us to make it shorter, I think we just need to simply tell it better.
2: And and I'm curious, just like from a whole other angle, you know, so many of the creators that Breed and I talk to, they don't have editors, Mm. they're editing their own videos. Uh, They're still in this phase of like, I need to edit my own videos. I'm the one who knows my audience best. Mm. What is your advice to those creators?
0: So I think the hardest part when hiring an editor is and we've even talked about it as, as well, uh, trust. And so you've got to find an editor that you can trust. Now, the biggest mistake that I see a lot of creators do is assuming that, that you can trust them straight away. It's a time investment. Uh, you got to invest in time for you as a creator to communicate to the editor what it is that you want. Because you've had the experience, you've figured out how you want to make your content to work. I think it's a bit of a mistake to assume that an, an editor is going to be able to replicate that straight away. And so... It's a time investment to get an editor up to your speed, but then in time, you can then start to trust them. Um, I think that's definitely the hardest part. Uh, and I think, but then bottom line, what this also means is editing is such a huge, time consuming uh, responsibility. And if you want to scale up as a creator, you invest your $1,000 worth of time into this editor, but then that editor is then going to compound into $100,000 worth of time it's but then sometimes you got to make sure you got to do that investment yourself.
1: Where i've seen it be incredibly successful is when a creator invests months, if not years, into helping that person perfect the craft of like here's the vision for my channel, here's how i would edit this video. Like you basically have to sit next to them. Yeah. For probably months editing those videos together, and i just don't think a lot of creators are willing to put that time in. And so in that time probably scares them because they're like, mm. I, I might as well just edit my own videos if I'm like sitting next to this person teaching them.
0: It, it likes it's your responsibility as a creator to be able to teach your mindset, your attitude, your style. But I think the hard part is also trying to verbalize your nuances. That's actually the hard part and I think that's why people a lot of ed- a lot of creators reject the idea because actually they can't explain their nuances yet. But I truly do believe every creator should get an editor. In fact, even so much, I like I'm. I run a channel talking about editing, and I've literally hired an editor today to edit my videos because it's like I need to put more time towards something else. And I, I would say, but the part of the process is I'm gonna have to teach her, or not teach is probably the wrong word. I think I have to work with her to explain to her my nuances, my understanding of editing, my my ability of understanding feeling. There comes a point where the editing becomes the weakest point in your entire YouTube business if you as a creator are wasting a majority of your time editing it yourself.
1: Totally agree. I actually, so you did a video on uh, Jimmy, you did a breakdown of Jimmy's Island video on your channel. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how many times I've sent that to a creator as just like a comp (laughs) because so many people ask me how does Jimmy edit or how does his team think about editing his videos? And Your breakdown of that video was very spot on in a lot of points Mm. of how his mind thinks about certain editing strategies and why he's doing certain things within a video. I thought the most interesting part was how you actually pointed out that- And just like that, 25 seconds into the video, someone's already been eliminated. Hey, we're 30 seconds into this video and two people are already eliminated. It's Mm -hmm. like, there's no dead space. It starts so quick and people are getting eliminated already. There's no fluff what uh what made you want to break down that video specifically and then how many times did you actually watch that video to act, to create that breakdown throughout the, all those editing processes
0: that truly truly was and i think the best way for any editor to learn is to reverse engineer he's already created another spike of energy keeping up the pace maintaining interest maintaining engagement it's i watched that video and i watched five seconds i went okay what happened to this five seconds this happened Wait, this happened, and also this happened. Wait, wow, that many things happened in five seconds? Let's talk about that. And that was a live reaction as well. That was literally me like live uh, reacting and breaking down. But I think also a lot that came down with my own experiences as well. It's just literally thinking, if you got an emotional response, you simply ask why. That then, and those then came down to my own interpretations, my own understanding of uh, psychology and editing and storytelling as well. The best way of putting it, if you've watched the whole YouTube video, you watch right to the end, you ask yourself, wait, how did I keep my attention that whole time? Watch it again and reverse engineer what they did to keep your attention.
2: What advice do you have to people who want to break into this world and learn how to edit? Like, I I imagine that most of them don't need to go to film school uh, or that side of this. So, like. How do they get started? Do you think it is that reverse engineer uh, side of this and, and try and think about it through the analytical lens? Or what maybe practical steps should they be taking?
0: I, I, it's, it's, I would say it sounds like a broken record because the, the true advice is just start. Just do anything and everything. If you look at a Logan Paul and Beast video and you try to make a Logan Paul and Beast video and it's terrible, well great, you're already doing more laps than the person on the couch. And now you can reflect on that video, what went wrong here, okay, let me try again. Oh, what went wrong here? Let me try again. What went wrong here? Let me try again. What went wrong here? Let me try again. And suddenly you got two million subscribers. But you keep on trying and trying and trying and trying and suddenly you're going to surpass that expectation that you're wanting to get. And then you're going to create a new skill gap and now you want to get that quality. And uh, and I would also say that yes, uh, reverse engineer. Why was Logan Paul funny? Uh, Why was Mr. Beast so entertaining in time? without warning is you're gonna you're gonna blink and be successful and you won't even know how you did it but now you know you've got to keep going
1: has your has any of your editing strategies changed as this like zoomer audience has become so fixated on 10 second short form videos with tiktoks and youtube shorts like Mm. has has that like affected how you think about the the strategy and how you edit videos because everyone's mind thinks like i just want a 10 15 second video Mm. um have you have you thought at all about that
0: Yeah, yeah, I've been down that rabbit hole a lot personally this year. Uh, If Logan Paul's 2017 vlogs are posted today, they'll be the worst videos on YouTube. Uh, They 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 don't work in what is a normalized YouTube content today. But this this is a brand new trend that I don't think any of us particularly saw coming. But I would also definitely say MrBeast probably was the one who saw it coming, and he was the one who probably pioneered this concept of aggressive... Aggressive content is what I call it, or retention retention content. Aggressive uh, content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With Logan's content, I'm, I used to be conscious of every minute. What did every minute do? What did every minute? Did it, did it scale up? Did it progress? Did it change? It's now much more thinking far more every 10 seconds. What did this 10 seconds do? Did this 10 seconds change? Did this 10 seconds escalate? Did this 10 seconds transform? Am I constantly taking them away, to constantly bringing them on this journey? Every five seconds, I would say, you have to have a reason to say to your audience, hey, I would like if you keep on watching my video, please don't look anywhere else, keep watching me. It's kind of, to a degree, begging. And I have mixed feelings about that because by begging attention can diminish some quality Moments that you might need to invest more time in, because uh, and I think there is some diminishing returns in constantly begging. That's giving us less opportunity to get more uh, interesting uh, emotional content, and I think that's a bigger sacrifice I am witnessing with uh, attention, aggressive attention, begging content, where it's we are losing a huge human element. Were it to a degree for me, and I am welcome for people to disagree, it feels like a computer made them. Like, it's like, it feels like a bit algorithmic, the way some content has to be presented today, but it doesn't mean that I'm not uh, contributing towards it myself. If you can't beat them, join them, is what I'm trying to say.
2: It's super interesting of like, when you do fully lean into the analytics side of this world where you acknowledge like, hey, average view duration, click-through rate, whatever. uh, It's interesting of like, what the, the end result of that content is and how everything shapes or converges mm. into a certain direction. Once a certain style works and does really well, uh, it's just like everything immediately mm. like, becomes copies of that. And I, I I imagine that's hard to balance from your perspective because there is a constant push-pull of uh, your own wants or need to do storytelling, mm. but also like, okay, we now need to think about what the algorithm itself wants. Um, yeah. And like how to push that forward.
0: I think for me, the mistake with aggressive uh, aggressive content is what you're telling the audiences is what what we've conditioned the audiences with this mindset of i want to find the first reason to click off we by making this aggressive content we've normalized that idea do you do that with netflix no you sit down on netflix and you watch you watch breaking bad you watch squid you watch eight hours of squid game and netflix has conditioned us to sit down and watch an eight hour movie Whereas YouTube is now conditioning us to tell us, I don't want you to click off. Please don't click off. I think because of that, it's we have developed a viewer habit is probably my issue with it. That can be dangerous because you might spend a lot of money, or a lot of time making a really, really good video. But if you didn't make that banging intro, no one's going to watch. You didn't make that banging thumbnail, no one's going to watch. Where there was a time where I would go on YouTube and I'll watch short films or hour long, hour long films or these incredible cinematic experiences and they can't exist on YouTube anymore. And I think that's probably why my issue, that type of content has been lost because of how we've conditioned our viewers to watch our content.
1: You're totally spot on. Um, Mm. Who, what creators do you think, or what creator do you think is the best, uh, has the best editing?
0: Johnny Harris. Uh, Johnny Harris. Okay. Johnny Harris. I watched the Cypress video. Best video. So good. Yeah. It, here's the best way of putting it. It's I I I started watching like five ten seconds of it and I went, no, I cannot watch this on my phone. And I immediately casted it to my TV. And I think that's the difference. It's if it feels like if you can watch your video on the phone, then maybe that might not be good enough. If you can tell me the viewer that no, this has to be watching a the TV, then I think you've done the the good job. And so for me, and then second, uh, Emma Chamberlain. Uh, Absolutely the most refreshing content in a long time. When she has gone, you know what? Screw analytics, screw retention, screw click-through rate, screw f- uh, making these eye, eye-popping, highly saturated thumbnails. Let me show you me. And I think that made me realize uh, authenticity. Which, which was a huge currency at one point, has been diminished because of uh, aggressive content, because we no longer have time to be authentic anymore.
2: Whereas Emra has now gone, you know what? No, we can still be authentic on YouTube. Yeah, I, I think it's what you're saying is super interesting because uh, in a perfect world, YouTube, you know, enables uh, like all of these different strategies Mm -hmm. to succeed and thrive and you know at some level they are right. like johnny harris's you know videos are doing incredibly well Mm -hmm. emma's videos are doing super well and you know and then you have the other content that's doing really well as well and and i think it all what's like i think super important for most creators is they need to just have a very real conversation with themselves Mm -hmm. and like internally of like what are your aspirations as a creator uh, and you know, do you want the biggest audience? Do you want uh, your pure authentic self or your personality to be really shining through? And that's, I think, the the main thing of, you know, and, and hopefully YouTube continues to just allow all these other avenues to just exist, you know. Only because
0: we've now we understand the algorithm and understand the concept of retention and retention is being the priority. That's the content that is prioritizing for everyone. And so that is why you need to make that type of content but so actually it's 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 you, you, that's that's actually youtube's problem that it's actually diluted the content that's presented to us in a very uh, unfortunate way to a degree that i would say it's like the algorithm now only serves the one percent of creators who do the aggressive retention content and the 99 percent who don't do it as as much and now losing out because the algorithm is no longer serving them And so I think that's probably the issue. This is a YouTube algorithmic uh, flaw because of this. For sure. That now creators such as Eric and MrBeast have maximized brilliantly. And that's, but I think, but it's now because of that, the algorithm is only serving them to a degree.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and I think too, like, if you want to be the biggest YouTuber or one of the biggest YouTubers on the platform, you have to, at this point, make a certain type of content or else Mm. you're just not going to get to that point. Like, There's not a lot of creators gaining millions of new subs a month. But if you look at the ones that are out, like putting all kids channels aside and Mm. and that kind of stuff, like it's music channels and the ones doing, like you said, aggressive in your face content, big ideas, spectacles. So there's not a lot of room to like create other things right now if you want to be at the top.
0: But at the time, it was daily vlogging. Casey Neistat, yeah. Logan Paul, uh, all er, everyone and their mother was daily vlogging because the algorithm served those very well. It's a, you post every single day, you're gonna get those watch time hours up, and you'll start pushing all of the videos. It's, it's right now we figured out how to make the algorithm work in our favor, and in time, someone else is gonna go, hey, I wonder if I can make the algorithm work in this favor, and then everyone's gonna go, oh my god, that's genius, and then we jump on that trend. Mm-hmm. It's this is a content cycle and it's has a potential to change as it was like who no no huge youtuber of daily vlogs anymore because the yeah, yeah the content trends don't demand that anymore and so that is the current demand and uh as long as you as a creator can maintain consistency in adapting to change or even being the leader of change Totally
1: agree. Well, we appreciate you coming on. I, I hope this was helpful
0: to a lot of the creators that watched.
2: Yeah, and, and definitely go check out Hayden's channel. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's incredible, and it, it's a really amazing inside look at how you know this world works, and I highly recommend checking it out. There's so
1: many resources for aspiring creators right now that, I, that just didn't exist, and your channel is at the top, and I think if someone's not subscribed to it, mm. I, I don't know what they're doing, but they need to start <laughs> watching your video breakdowns and everything else you do so well. So, thanks for uh, thanks for doing that for the community.
0: Yeah, this is such a great conversation. I uh, really Yeah, I'm really happy that, that having having expressing my feelings and my thoughts on the YouTube as an industry, loving what it is and having my thoughts about it. So, yeah, cre- thank you so much for this conversation.